thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man Scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man Scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Welcome everybody to the r and Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the R&R Catcast. I am your host, Ryan Foley. Across the state from me is my good buddy and co-host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the Big Sky Podcast Network, the Montana State podcast of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And you know what? We have an awesome sponsor in Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing great beer in downtown Great Falls with his second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thorny, we just got back from Gold Rush. We have a lot to talk about. How are you doing, buddy? You know, not great in reality. You know, the high from the weekend is over. <laughs> To Monday, I worked all day long. It was a great weekend. Slapped back to reality real fast. Overall, I'm doing great, but yeah, it's not quite as exciting as it was on a Saturday in particular, but even Sunday. But yeah, back to reality, doing pretty good. Saturday was about a perfect day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been more perfect. I don't know if we'll get into that story, but uh, it was a it was an awesome, <laughs> awesome Saturday. Probably one of the best uh, you know Bobcat experiences uh, that I've had. So. Pretty awesome. All right. Okay, so a little recap for today's episode. Um, soon we're going to talk about the news. What's going on with Montana State? We have some recruits that re- uh, committed to Montana State right after the game. Some Ooh. big ones that we'll, we'll break down for you. We'll talk some injuries. Unfortunately, uh, may hit on the presser. May, may not on that. Uh, there is just something I kind of wanted to mention on that. Uh Ryan and I are going to recap our time in Bozeman. Uh, if you don't know, you probably do now, but Ryan and I made the trek back to the Mecca, the homeland of Bozeman. So we uh, we have a lot to tell, some fun stories in there and uh, some exciting times. Uh, but the, probably the thing you probably want to listen to most is our key takeaways from the game. Uh, we'll get into that. We don't have a lot of Golden Cooley questions. I have been sending out a ton of Golden Cooleys I feel like five in the last week. Good for us, right? I'm running out. So we're going to have to reorder those here soon. To. That's, that's, that's get good. Through. We finally got rid of the uh, <laughs> the contraband. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else do we talk about on the back end? Oh, yeah. We got to cover our bold predictions. So we'll talk about if we were right last week and then set some new bold predictions going into this week's game at home. Again, in Bozeman against the San Diego Toreros. You've knocked this whole intro out of the park. Fantastic. Man, I'm just feeling the vim still. Hey, uh, before we get into anything, though, we're going to talk about what's in our golden coolie. Have you ever wondered why we call them coolies? If you haven't listened to us before, koozie is a trademarked word by Bic Company, the guys that make the pens and the razors. So we can't call them koozies. We call them coolies. And I will send you one if you send us an awesome question. We read it on the air. Or honestly, if you just ask me nicely, I will send you a golden coolie. Just Anyways, give them. us some love. Yeah, just send us some social media uh, love. Post some pictures. They're really cool. Um, anyways, Thorny, what do you got in your golden coolie tonight, buddy? Well, honestly, coming back, I got a little bit of a, a sore throat going here. So I got like a throat coat tea. 
in a in a cup that has uh, my wife made for me that had like a picture of us holding like our newborn first child. Very very uh, exciting beverage I have over here. <laughs> one of the one of the I've things that yet. yeah one of the things I love most is a random coffee mug, and so you just you just warm my heart with that. Not with the tea, but with the coffee mug. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Thorny, I did not see that coming. I really did not see that coming. Um, <laughs> it's only a handful of times that I haven't had a beer. Even the few times I've drank tea, sometimes I've even spiked it with <laughs> with whiskey. But uh, not today. Straight throat coat. <laughs> All right. Probably scream too much. So do you think that's what it is? You don't think you're sick? You just got like a little horse throat? I don't know. I feel pretty good otherwise. We'll, we'll see as the week progresses. <laughs> Thorny, I have like one of my all-time top, probably top two beers, really. It's the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That I can't count how many times I've had this on the podcast. And maybe I shouldn't even. I mean, th- that's really just a lazy move by Ryan Foley. I've had a busy day getting back into the swing of work. But uh, so that's my excuse. But I'm happy to have the the goat, honestly, the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I remember an episode either last year or first year where you said that's a beer that you just typically have as a celebration beer, right? That's your, your oh, go-to yeah, celebration beer. memory. Yeah. Sometimes I remember things. Rarely. Yeah. Not usually within the last 30 seconds of what you said, but maybe like two years ago, maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to talk some news. Uh, First, let's hit on the recruits. Uh, after the game, the Gold Rush game, man, we'll talk about... Oh, man, I can't wait to talk about Gold Rush, honestly. But uh, a couple big recruits, uh, the number two and the number three recruits in the state, Taco Dollar and his brother, twin brother, Keaton Dollar, committed from Billings West. Taco is a 5'10", 165 receiver. Kaden is a six foot one ninety five safety. They are both three-star recruits, as what I read. Uh, most notably, just electric players. Uh, Taco has speed, like, coming out of everywhere. Like, you watch some of his highlights. Man, I mean, I think the comp that I was thinking of when I watched him was Gabe Solzer yeah. of Montana. That's exactly and, what I was um, thinking, too. Yeah, so really excited. I know they were kind of, you know, sought after amongst the state and then some FBS, Navy uh, Colorado State, uh, maybe a standing walk-on from Kansas State or somewhere like yeah, that. Anyway, I think so. Montana State just locked them in after the gold rush. No, no doubt about that. That's, uh, I mean, if you were there, why wouldn't you? I mean, we're going to talk about that here in a moment. So I'm just going to hold off on that. The other recruit that came out of that game was Ethan Abbott, a man-child out of Florence, 6'5", 280. Holy cow, there's a picture posted of him next to Sean Howe. Sean Howe is a big dude, but uh, this this kid, I mean, he's 18, maybe maybe 17. He, he is a man man among boys, so holy cow. Yeah, I think he so moved think from they, Maryland, right, in his junior year or something like that? Yeah, uh, that's that's exactly right. Uh, not sure if they're going to uh, project him on defense. That was kind of his position now, but uh, he, I know he plays both sides. Well, I assume if uh, he's tagging Coach Howe and hugging Coach Howe. He's probably playing on the D-line, at least <laughs> initially. The plan. Point. And I, I'm excited about sure. uh, Caden Taco Dollar. Like you said, I think that kind of the comp for Taco is Gabe Solser. And I've heard some people say that Taco might be a little too small, but then I was, I was looking at the huddle, like comparisons between Gabe Solser and Taco Dollar, just out of curiosity. Like, uh, I think Solser was one or 5'9", 160 on his huddle film, and Taco is 5'10", 165. So, He's a little bit bigger, and they both are like four point four mid four point four fours or something like that forties, which is ridiculous. So, and Caden looks like a very solid player as well. I'm just excited, man. It's it's a good group of three guys, and like you said, how could you not want to commit during that amazing atmosphere that we had? And I wouldn't be surprised to see a few more trickle in. I don't know who was all there, but how could you not? Yeah, I mean, it was just an elixir of greatness. Anyways, I'm happy that those guys are on board. I know they were talked about a lot in the in-state recruiting. Montana had a lot of momentum um, in the last month. I think yeah. the momentum is like, you know, that's a big shift right there. If, if not even, you know, 
Wow. So good job, Montana State. Uh, excited to have those guys on board. Hey, Thorny, let's talk a little bit about the FCS stats poll, just because I feel like we have to. It's still early. Man, I hate these early polls because they really mean nothing unless you're outside of the top 25 if you're teetering on that. Montana State, even after they win drop from... Two spots. Yeah, we were at 11. We dropped down to 13. <laughs> it's always weird when you win a game, especially decidedly, and then lose spot. But, you know, Jacksonville State jumps up to number 10. It's easy to see them come in because they beat <laughs> they beat Florida State. So, good on them. Weaver comes in at 9. Um, Montana comes in at 4. I don't remember where Montana was last week. Maybe that was the same spot. There four. So, actually, and the then, top 8 are completely unchanged. Okay, so Eastern comes in at 7. And then UC Davis is still cooking, man. UC Davis is climbing. They're at 14. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They may have... They've made been at thirteen. So. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I see the little sidebar right there. Okay, yep. Uh, any other ones from the Big Sky? I don't see anything else from the Big State Sky. But is still receiving votes. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, three votes. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, that's a that's a solid group of uh, Big Sky schools looking pretty good right now. Well, Montana State's going to play Weaver, Eastern, and Montana all on the road later on this season. We've talked about that before, but. You know, that's just, I kind of feel like that's what happens in Montana State more often than not. But we're not going to wax on that too much. Did you so there's a top. Did you vote in the Big Sky Power rankings? Oh, my gosh. I'm spaghetti? a little bit salty on that. I, I am a little bit salty on that. Like, I gave them my email address. Can you just send me a link on the email, Brian Marcel? Because I'm not checking Twitter all the time anymore. And it's buried deep in the Twitter thread that's like 100 deep. I didn't got it, man. So, no, I wanted to vote, but no, I did not. If I would have voted, I would have put probably Montana first. Mm, probably, I'd probably put Montana State second, still in the power rankings, Eastern third, UC Davis fourth. Actually, no, I would put UC Davis above Eastern, Eastern fourth, and then uh, Weaver fifth. Yeah, it's a tough top five. Um yeah, I think I had the Grizz number one. They still deserve that. I think I put UC Davis two, Eastern three, Cats four, and Weber five. But you know, you can just shuffle those five right now. In my opinion, like you said, preseason stuff so meaningless in the grand scheme of things right now, especially a power ranking in the Big Sky Podcast Network. But you know, that's that's how I see it right now. It's hard to say. Yeah, until we start playing conference games, it's really kind of hard to figure out. Yeah. Um, out of conference is so, so all over the board. Some t- some schools play two FBS teams. Some play like NAIA, NAIA schools. It's like, how can you tell? Uh, all right. So I think that's enough for the news. I did want to talk about the presser, but I'll lump that in when we start talking about the key takeaways from Montana State. Thorny, let's like uh, take a trip back into memory lane all of two days ago and recap our trip to Bozeman. Where do you want to start? Do you just want to start with the, the fun pertinent stuff? Oh my gosh. Uh so I want to start. I want to start when I got to Bozeman. I got to Bozeman at midnight Montana time and I got a second wind and I met you. You and I just had a nice beer at this nice uh spot in Bozeman called the Tap Room. That that was just a great way to start the 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 night and then um you know, our, it was just a good way to start the weekend because the next day I woke up, went on this cool little trail run up on the hills right there, found some trails, got lost a little bit, got into some private property, which is probably pretty easy to do now or in and around Bozeman, but I made my way back to our hotel connected with you and we just had such a fun afternoon. Starting off with a nice piping hot, fresh Taco John's run. That was our breakfast at like 1033 because I remember we got there three minutes after they stopped serving breakfast burritos. But yeah, that was, oh, it was a good start. Yeah, Jeez. just uh, finding a like a safe as as the COVID thing. We don't really talk about that too much here, but you know, we, we were there. We're trying to be kind of caught conscientious of that. So we found a spot. We felt comfortable having a beer. And yeah, just uh, took Taco John's and then went over to campus and found a spot to eat on campus or, or friggin' Taco John's. And uh, we just walked around, went to the SUB, killed some time. Talk about the campus. 
Can we talk about the campus real quick? It's changed some. Holy cow. It is unreal what Montana State looks like. Like, if you're a recruit and you're walking through Montana State, holy stinking cow. You're fumbling through a campus. Yeah, you're, you have constant construction on it. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, we went to school in early 2000s, and so there's a lot of buildings, obviously, that still are the same. But mixed among them are rebranded buildings, uh, reconstructed buildings, brand new buildings. I mean, we ate uh, lunch at uh, Norm... Abergen, Abjord, Abjord, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and you and I were just sitting in the lobby, looking up in there with just like amazement, like like little kids looking up, going like, "What? What is this?" I mean, the thing looked like a spaceship inside. So, man, like just the the aesthetic of Montana State as you walk through it and feel it, it is a special, special place. It feels a lot more. Couple big that with. Yeah, couple that with the just momentum that Bozeman just feels, and 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 it's not fake. It is like tangible. It's it's just rolling, in a sense, as uh as some people would say. It's such an attractive place to go to school. Why would you not pick Montana State? Yeah, I don't know. Well, we don't have to go down that path. Yeah. but and everything kind of it's really impressive. Yeah, and everything kind of culminated into the Gold Rush game. There, the buzz, mm-hmm. the the downtown was just crazy on friday night and like just the whole town felt vibrant and it all culminated with gold rush and uh you know we'll talk about that in a minute but if we're going chronologically there with our lunch and our stuff there at uh on the campus there in a random building that we decided to do that right next to the parking garage that's mainly why we picked it after that we uh went over we were fortunate <laughs> enough to be invited by um alec nice who invited us over to the the Bobcat scrimmage, the uh, men's basketball team scrimmage that they had over at Schroyer. What do we want to talk about here? It was really cool seeing it, and I was re- it was really exciting to see how those guys coach up the the squad, like Danny Sprinkle, Chris Haslam, and Dan Russell, and uh, I forget the other guy's name. But those are ones that are off the top of my head. And then watching some of the new guys and just the way they competed, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, what what do you want to say about the scrimmage? Well, I think you hit on it. I was super impressed with the coaching. Being a teacher, I'm always looking on how leadership and not necessarily students, but the people who are there leading interact. And I just was floored with how not only Coach Sprinkle coaches, Coach Russell, Coach Haslam, how they talk to the players, how they motivate the players, how they coach up the players, how they demand from the players all without being disrespectful to those players or demeaning them. Man, I was so impressed. Second thing I was impressed about was just the talent that we have. I mean, we have so many good freshmen, and I don't want to sit here and talk about specific names because I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about basketball this year. However, holy cow, just the energy that they practice with, I mean, from the very first drill, man, they were just competing against each other, just I was just juiced watching that game uh, or the practice, excuse me, and then they scrimmage thereafter. Uh, but it's such a highlight of the Saturday for me. I was so happy to go there. And then we got to shake the hands of the players. We got to meet the coaches. And of course, I just want to say thank you to Alec. And we got to meet his father, Mike, who told us we have uh, faces for podcasting, <laughs> which was <laughs> such a good line. That's a good one. And then we had a good good chat with him, and he seems like such a solid dude. Anyways, all those people we met in the Bobcat, uh, 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 the basketball scrimmage in, and that afternoon, it was such a pleasure. And Ryan and I were just left, I know, if you guys are listening, we just left so, so tickled to meet you all, and... I, I don't know about you, Ryan. I just felt blessed to be a part of that that afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, that's one thing that the the basketball players did. Like you said, they all came by and shook every single person's hand who was there at the scrimmage, like the six-man members, the pers- perspective six-man members. That was really cool. And then, yeah, afterwards, we went to the little tailgate that they had outside, and we actually got to meet, like, Coach Sprinkle and the assistant coaches and some of the players, and except for... uh. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Jasper, the new guy. Can't even, he couldn't even fit in, into the tent because he's seven <laughs> three. He, he's just standing outside eating his, his wings, which are like the size of his thumb. But it was yeah, it was really cool. It was a really cool event. I really liked the way that 
you know, the, they coached him up and yeah, we got some young talent. There's a lot of good looking players there. Um, you don't get to see it too often up close like we do. So it was really exciting to see. We don't need to get into specific details on anything like that, but I completely agree. There's some serious talent on there coupled with the veteran returning leadership of the, the core from last year. I think it's gonna be a really good season. I just appreciate everyone for taking us in and, and chatting us up and uh, it was a lot of fun. I do want to say we saw Leon Castell, and I'm just going to say this on the podcast. I am been so nervous to shake his hand every time I see him. I just want to shake his hand. Leon, if you're ever listening to this, man, I apologize because I know you made eye contact and I was looking at you. <laughs> uh, and I know I can say this for Ryan and I because Ryan and I talk about this. We're like, man, we just get nervous. We just want to introduce ourselves. Uh, Leon, we will uh, introduce ourselves someday soon. Yeah. Right, so. In the grand scheme of things, like, I think a lot of people know who we are within the department and stuff, but man, at this point, we're still just fans. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's Leon Costello. <laughs> These are still like big figures to us. We're not, yeah. we haven't broke the ice on all the interviews and stuff or meeting people. I don't, and we're not totally comfortable in that skin yet. No. <laughs> the uh, no. quasi celebrity skin or whatever you want to call it. I don't know, but it just, does, it just doesn't come natural yet. So I'm just like, I don't, I, no. I'm, I don't got, I'm not, I don't have enough courage to go talk to Leon Costello out of the blue like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we'll get there so then we hit uh, the cat prowl and that was fine but uh, let's just start talking about gold rush right and this is kind of some this is kind of one of my first key takeaways so i'm gonna merge this key takeaway with the start of gold rush gold rush ryan is absolutely elite atmosphere mm-hmm absolutely an elite atmosphere it is you know when a school tries to put something on and you can tell it's contrived or they're just you know they're they're doing something to kind of brand something gold rush is so far beyond that it has its own momentum it's its own thing yeah. it just has it's electric in every sense it's it's uh you the the happiness in the atmosphere everyone wearing the gold shirts ah oh, it's unreal it's absolutely unreal it's just so cool montana state has done a fantastic job with gold rush and everyone's embraced it too like the administration mm -hmm. can only do so much like people have to get behind it and it has become its own its own force and it is truly like you said an elite game day atmosphere idea culture whatever you want to call it across any level of college football like it's it's this it's this thing that happens every year uh now it's mostly under the lights first home game of the year it's just fantastic everyone's into it everyone's wearing gold it's a sellout like yeah everyone's wearing gold except for except for you of, of all ironies here <laughs> i was wearing my gold right i'm gonna shirt. call you out yeah you were in a green shirt over it so you could see your first two unbuttoned spots it's the only gold you could see on you I get cold. I'm going to call you mom. I, have, <laughs> I blame my mom. I'm like my mom. I get cold. Hey, uh, Thorny, let's tell a funny story about uh, being up in the press box. You want to tell that? Okay. So we did get uh, invited to the press box. and Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. We probably won't be invited back. Um, uh, we'll get to that <laughs> in a second. There's very strict rules in the press box about cheering. And I really had no problem abiding by these rules. Uh, you struggled a little bit. And a couple times you, you know, you didn't, you didn't do anything too crazy, but even like you, you gave it like a little, like a little <laughs> clap at one point and <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to uh, talk to on that. So it was pretty, it was pretty funny. I don't, I don't know if we did any damage. I'm probably in trouble for it, but it's pretty, pretty funny that we basically not that long after decided to, to I mean, we weren't going to stay there for the whole game anyway. We just wanted to kind of check it out maybe meet some people. We did meet some, some media people. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we met Tom Stuber. That was really cool, but <laughs> it's like, all right, well, it's probably time to go now. I feel like, felt like we we're the kids in the library who kept getting shushed by the librarians. So it's like, oh, let's just get out of here. Um, <laughs> I had so much vim coming out of me, man. I couldn't, I, I was trying. I wasn't like consciously going against the rules. I really was trying to be respectful because I was just taking it all in. I was so, I mean, we were sitting front and center on in the press in the press box. I've never thought in my life I would ever have an opportunity like that. So I'm just giddy inside. And then we make a good play. We score a touchdown. 
I mean, you and I make a fan podcast. I, I couldn't help but clap. And yes, I was like, okay, Ryan, we just got to go. We got to go down because I, I got to feel the crowd. I got to cheer. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Ryan, that was a good move because when we got outside, we could feel the crowd. Yeah. That, that uh, glass uh, barrier it didn't bring in the noise like I was hoping to, but... Uh, you could tell it was loud up there, but you just couldn't feel it. It's like... Yeah. You could just tell it's like loud down there. You can kind of hear it echoing upwards, I guess you could say, but yeah. So, <laughs> it was a good so move to get out apologize there. apologize too. Yeah. 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 apologize, but say thank you so much because it was a... I'm honestly probably a once in a lifetime like benefit yeah. that we received and it was... It was so cool. So I think we found that I we blurred think- the lines between fan and media there. Um, and we're not going to go on that yeah. side of it again. I don't think, I don't think it's, oh, it's not man. for us. Yeah. So what a cool moment. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think about like, I know this is going to be sounding a little odd, but I couldn't help but think about how my father would just be so tickled to see uh, what, uh, what I was doing during that time. So that would, that would have been cool if he could have been here to see that. Yep. So anyways, uh, before we move um, on for that, I do want to say, um, and we can talk about this right now because might as well, um, you know, MSU did a great job with the 20-year 9-11 tribute there. And so they brought the mm. big American flag across the field. And we were up in the press box when that happened. So we got a really cool view of it. And uh, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. Kudos to MSU for doing that. And, you know, it was awesome seeing it from our vantage point up there. Yeah, amazing. You and I were both at Montana State for 9-11. We, we were, freshman. yeah. Yeah, freshman year. Yeah. All right. 20 years ago. Hey. So, um... All right, so Thorny Gold Rush is starting. Let's get into our key takeaways from from the game. Well, I think I'll probably I'm let you start. Go with the stats first, like I normally do. <laughs> Jeez, you know, I was just getting so excited. Yeah, we get, we got to talk about the stats. And uh, as funny as it is, I don't actually have them up. So give me a second. You want me to roll? I got him. You got him. Go for it. You take it. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, first downs, Drake had 14, Montana State had 23. Hey, before we go any further, uh-huh. um, we didn't do this last week. What was the score? Let's start off with the score. We completely Ooh, neglected to mention the geez. Wyoming score. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were rusty. After after we recorded, like, I don't think you said the score of the game. Like, no, definitely didn't. Uh, oh, my word. So let's start off with the most down. important Okay, yeah. Stat. So, yeah, um... We won, if you didn't know. Uh, <laughs> won 45 to 7. Montana scored, or Montana State, never call us Montana, geez, always. We scored nine points in the first uh, quarter, 15, second, uh, seven in the third, and 14 in the fourth. Drake scored a lone touchdown right before, uh, right before half. Um, Anyways, we'll we'll get into those scores here in a little bit, but uh, let's break down the stats. Thorny, do you have them? Do you do you really want to do the stats, or do you want me to go for it there, buddy? You were doing it. I want you to. All right, all right, all right. I'm going. All right, well, let's keep this train going. I'm so, not listening. Um, first downs. We uh, <laughs> Drake only had four. You never listen to me, man. You're always thinking about yourself. Okay. Um, first downs. Drake had 14, and Montana State had 23. On third down, Drake was 7 for 15. Uh, Montana State was 9 for 14. No one went for it on fourth down. We were 0 for 0 across the board. Drake had a total of 228 yards. Montana State rolled up 435 on passing. Um, Drake was 14 for 24 for 149. Montana State was 21 for 29 uh, with a 286 rushing. We uh, The Cats were... 37 rushes for 149 yards. Honestly, we're going to talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. We're expecting to see a little bit more there. Uh, Drake rolled up 36 rushes for 79 yards. And so we held him pretty, I think it was like 2.2 something yards yeah. per carry. What, what is it? Something, something small there. Penalties. Something I'm super impressed by the vegan set. Um, three for 40 for Montana State and four for 27 for Drake. Uh, zero turnovers. Um, so there goes our bold predictions. Yeah. <laughs> so I know my bold prediction for last time was we would have two interceptions and you had a defensive touchdown. Yeah, that's uh, both of those are wrong. So we can just cover that right now. And that Time ends of the uh, big like 27 game streak with a turnover. That ends the, the big streak dating back all the way to, was it 2018? Had to have been. Uh, yeah, it was like a 2018 season. I feel like I have a trombone right now. 
All right. Uh, time of possession. Drake actually held the ball longer than we did. 30, 30 minutes and 24 seconds to 29 minutes in 36 seconds. So, I mean, almost completely even right there. But those are the stats, Thorny. All right. Where, where do you want to start? I guess... We've, well, I got some individual stats. Let's run yeah, down let's do our yeah, uh, key, key leaders. Uh, McKay was 19 for 25. He had 256 yards, mm. three touchdowns. Mm. Solid game for him. He's just getting better and better. Fonse, 19 for 60. Hmm. One touchdown, though. Lance Lance McCutcheon had seven catches for 121 yards. When was the last time a Montana State receiver had that stat line with one touchdown? Willie P., it's a breakout game for Willie. Willie, heck yeah, good job, good job, Willie. He only had two catches, but they were both for touchdowns. <laughs> he went for fifty-four yards, and so those were our leaders in the game. Woo! All right, where do you want to start? While it's in my head, I want to talk about the penalties. That's a, that's a great thing. Um, so what? Three penalties this game is that we said? Yeah, three penalties. Yeah. I think we had four against Wyoming, so seven total penalties. And as far as I'm concerned, three of those are complete horse crap. So we got, well, maybe one of them was okay. Um, the block in the back against Wyoming, phantom. Daniel Hardy's taunting after being called for pass interference. So two of the penalties came at the same time. Yeah, just for doing the the the, in, the incomplete arm thing that every single player, in the, every cornerback in the history of playing football <laughs> does. Somehow he got called out for that one. And then uh, Willie Patterson doing a <laughs> standing backflip. I guess that could be a penalty. I don't, I don't think it should be, but excessive t- t- celebrating. But anyway, so yeah, pretty darn good. Seven penalties through two games. I think it's pretty impressive. It's pretty disciplined. And overall, the Bobcats look very disciplined. And I think that, you know, it, is that a vegan thing? Is that a... It, it is because be. and vegan was being pressed on that a little today about Willie P in the press conference. And they were talking about like, you know, Willie, uh, Willie P's backflip and Vigman's like, yeah, that was a little bit too much of me. And we're not about me in this culture. We are about us. So we want our players to celebrate as a team. And he said they actually use that as a teaching tool during halftime. Honestly, I'm sitting there. I'm like, come on, Brent, just give him some love. And I think even a reporter after that said is like, you know, Willie's had some struggles he's overcome some injuries and and he's been building up to this and vegan did not move from his stance. He's like, yeah, we still got to celebrate as a team. We are not about the me culture around here. I thought it was really fun to watch Willie P do a a backflip. I liked it. I I guess I was just kind of hoping for vegan just to say, you know, yeah, he deserved it, but that's, uh, that's not where, uh, what we want to see from our players. He actually said, we need to keep that in check. So, uh, kind of like a wet blanket on that, but, um, but he said, you know, we need to celebrate as a team. So I don't know. I felt conflicted listening to him. Like, so can we just go party as a team? Yeah, apparently we can. And my takeaway but, here uh, is that if you're going to do a backflip, you have to have at least one or two other guys to do the backflip with you at the same time. And then you're fine. <laughs> and then celebrating with okay. the team. Team so, backflips. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'm super stoked for Willie Patterson, man. He has deserved it. I mean, we've... We've been tough on Willie P, and rightfully so. He's had some he's had some tough breaks. And Afonso did mention something too. He's like, you know, Willie Patterson uh, has been injured early in the season, every one of his years, yeah, and so he's kind of injuries. had some really, yeah, two collarbone injuries, just some bad luck. Good for him. Good yeah. for Willie Patterson. It's fun to be on this podcast praising Willie Patterson because, as we've mentioned, um, we've been critical of him at times, and we've just been waiting for this kind of game. So I'm excited to see. And I'm super happy for him. Right. Let's let's move on from Willie. Uh, let's kind of go maybe a little bit chronological. Let's kind of a slow start on this game. What did you kind of think of the Bobcats start coming out of the gate? We only had nine points at the end of the first quarter, and the touchdown was literally like at the last play of the of the first quarter. So it came out pretty slow. Some three and outs, some struggles. What do you think of that first quarter? It was apparent to me that Drake was going to key in on the run. They're just uh, lone guys in the box. I think, um, excuse me, I think we have some growing pains on the offensive line. The TJ Sessions and Justice Perkins offensive, uh, two stars there who are freshmen. I think we missed Connor Wood. 
who uh, went on to uh, Missouri. I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, they're going to just get, get continue to get better, but it's going to take some games. And, um, and it shows, you know, Drake was going to sell out against the run. Afonso was hitting some two, three yard runs that were impressive because he has taken down like four guys, but that's not what you want. And so I guess my critique on that would be some of those third down calls when we were like third and five, I don't know, I mean, just around that yardage, we're still running the ball at that time and gaining two to three yards where, I don't know, I think we could have made a little bit more hay early on. But you know what? We made some adjustments later on, and then we were able to complete some passes and soften them up with the pass game. So it can't be that bad. I mean, it can't be that bad. Yeah, I mean, it was a slower start than I was hoping, but you know, we came off an emotional game. Plus, it's the first first game back in Bozeman in six hundred and thirty odd days. A lot of these guys probably hadn't even played in Bozeman, let alone the Gold Rush game. There had to be some nerves there. But it seemed like the there's probably some honestly, I was gonna say maybe the play calling kind of. Lent, lended itself to the slower start like you were talking about some of those third and five like runs I didn't totally agree with but you know there could have been very much been nervous from the coaching staff too some of those guys like Taylor House right and Freddie Banks this is the first time calling a game in Bozeman under the like the big huge setting there so you know um, like you said Drake came out looking to stop the run and they sold out in the run and that's what they did pretty pretty efficiently all game long in particular but especially in that first quarter I think there's a little bit of concern with our point after the touchdown too. We have like a low trajectory on the ball. We had one there blocked that we had to make up for a a two point conversion um, in the Did second quarter. <laughs> I, you know, I guess we didn't have to, but I think that's uh, that's something to work upon for the Bobcats. Yeah, two straight games with a blocked kick by Blake Klesner. Not not the start you want. Obviously, his kicks have been fine once they were. Not blocked, but uh, yeah, good. Something to keep an eye on. The other thing to keep an eye on as we move into the second quarter here, I'm just going to jump straight to the thing that bugged me the most. Drake scoring on like a two and a half, three minute drive right before halftime, because that's exactly how the Wyoming game ended. We gave up like a two minute game winning drive, similar defenses, similar results, and the, the opponent was able to drive right down the field and score with little time left on the clock. So are you concerned about if you want to call it the two to four minute defense, not the offense. Everyone always talks about your two minute offense. What about your two minute defense? Is that a pattern yet? <laughs> it's funny you say that because we had, uh, we had caught up with Brooks Nuanes of Skyline Sports. He was shooting the game and we had talked about that and he said exactly what I was thinking. That's not a, a uh, trend you want to start setting giving up scores before halftime no, or at the end of halves, right? And yep. I think he's spot on on that. Uh, so, you know, obviously the cats don't want to do that. And that's on Freddie Banks. Maybe that's some of his calls. Maybe we're just going to vanilla. And uh, one thing that Brooks said, he's like, why don't you just light up the quarterback right there? Send some pressure. And I'm thinking the same exact thing. I think that's a, a good point. I'd like to see more of that because it's clear like at the very beginning of the game through the first first half of that game and we were getting to the quarterback I mean he got hit by Amandre by Daniel Hardy rushed clobbered by Amandre yeah. Williams <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why not why not in the last two minutes why sit in a, in a cover two shell so I, I I have some some doubts I'm mean, not doubts but just like Eh, it just doesn't feel good. Yeah, Continue to be aggressive, right? Yep. I mean, that's something yeah, I think you just got to learn. You know, these are brand new coordinators and not just MSU, but in at all. Like, neither of them have been a coordinator before. So I think it's just things you go back, look at the film, see what you did, could have done differently, and hopefully just make adjustments and continue to learn and not let these things happen because obviously this game had zero impact on the game. But you just, like you said, you don't want to build those trends. Anyway, that's yep. something the Cats don't want to be known for. It's giving up score right before halftime for the end of the game. No, no, thank you. So I did want to mention something about the defense now that we're talking about them. Uh, last week, I was a little bit critical about uh, not flying to the ball. And I know you were like, yeah, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I want to say the defense was absolutely flying to the ball this week. Um, High energy. I wrote down they were playing with a nasty edge. 
I loved watching our defense. I think our defense is getting some swag, man. They got like a like an attitude that you're not gonna get yards against us. And I think that's led by the team leader in tackles, Tayakata. We could spend an entire podcast on Tayakata right now. But before I get into that, you're right, man. Like this defense is like one of the so we've had real physical defenses under Choach, but they weren't necessarily like hitting so hard. I feel like the team is hitting a lot harder than I've seen a Bobcat team hit in a while. And I don't know what that is, but Ty Okada, man, man, you, you, I'm sure you saw him in the, the post-game press conference with this, just his little Under Armour tank top on. That guy has uh, put on some serious muscle. We're talking like Kevin Cassis between freshman year, senior year type muscle gain here, except he did it in like the off, like in the off season here. I hope you're listening to Kevin. <laughs> But yeah, man, he, he looks, he is physical, he's built, and he is flying, he's, he hasn't lost a step, and that's the best part, and he is playing out of this world to start off this year. He's everything you want in a nickelback, man. He is playing lights out. I love it. Yeah, he's, uh, like I said, he's leading the team in tackles with, uh, solo tackles with 12. Troy has 11, so he's right behind him. But yeah, man, that guy is just straight fire. He's straight energy when... He's on the field. He is, he's making a tackle. He's not only just making tackles behind the line. That guy is just celebrating. I love seeing him, man. I mean, if you're playing against Takata, he's just trash talking to you the whole time too. When you watch him, it's so fun to watch him because he just won't shut up. I love it. (laughs) I absolutely love it. I love Ty. He's becoming one of my favorite players by far. And if, if a lot of times, if you look at like a cornerback or a nickelback or a safety leading your team in tackles, that's not typically necessarily a good thing, right? That means no. running backs are breaking to the second level at an alarming rate, and you're having to stem the tide and be the last guy making the tackle. But it's just because he's rifling in and tackling guys at or behind the line of scrimmage or cutting them down after a one-yard gain. That's He's just flying to the ball, and those are all like short gains. So that's it's a very exciting thing to see. <laughs> well, awesome stuff there. But, you know, Thorny, uh, just like a closing thought on that, I think um, the nickel in this defense is going to be that guy that spills in behind the line, that comes up in the box and plays a little bit more physical. And uh, Ty Ty seems to fill that role really well. So, awesome on that. So, we go into halftime, Thorny, a little bit disappointed. We have a score right before Drake. What were you looking to see out of Montana State coming out of halftime. I mean, the same thing we were talking about uh, with the running game. I wanted to see us come out and actually be able to run the ball. And maybe that was not a smart thing to think from the fan perspective because Drake was sitting up to stuff it and that they didn't change anything. It didn't really look like they continued to, to sell out on stuff in the run. In fact, the passing game opened up even more in, in the second half for McKay and company. But yeah, I was just hoping to see more success from Afonso. I don't even know if he had a a double digit run in the entire game, did he? Yes. I have that stat know, right you, here. He has long so of nine. Seeing, long of nine yards for Fonse. Man, you're so used to seeing uh, Fonse get hit and then just break. Kind of break and then just scamper for 20, 30 yards. I didn't see any of that. And another thing that I didn't see that has been kind of concerning is our like uh you know the sweep runs that we run left to right, the the lateral runs left to those aren't left working. to right. No, I don't know if we're not hitting the hole, if we're not blocking them correctly. It's I suspect just, it's blocking and in the fact that maybe there's a tell where we're not fooling anybody because every time it's happened, there's been just dudes just waiting. So I don't know if it's not yeah. an opportune play calling time, if, if the defense is just reading it right off the bat, but all the combinations, I think it, I think a lot of it is too. We've had a couple opportunities where guys like, make a cut there, make a cut there. We saw Cam Gardner do that where... You're like, if you would have made a cut, you think you would have got at least five yards out of it. Instead, he kind of tiptoed around and ran in the back of a blocker and got taken down for like a two-yard gain, which is one of the few times that Cam Gardner didn't get his world rocked. That guy just, he's one of those guys that just somehow gets clobbered every time he gets tackled. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I was pretty happy to see him catch a touchdown there later in the game, but he just seems to get crushed all the time. But yeah, the sweep, yeah. just not successful so far, and it's... uh. We're not doing well on the outside. We're not doing well on the inside against Drake. So it didn't really work out anywhere. Yeah. The running game, this, uh, this past game was a concern. I think people are a little over concerned about it. My take on it 
and I'll just come button it up on this is we have a young O-line. We're missing Connor Wood. They're going to get better as this goes on. Montana State has a history of running the ball. Teams are prepared for that. And it just is what it is. But the good part about it is we have a up-and-coming quarterback named Matt McKay. And let's spend some time chatting about Matt McKay. 19-25, to 25, 256 yards, three touchdowns, 10.2 yards per attempt, eight rushes, 56 yards. I still think people were expecting a little bit too much out of his running ability, but he finally flashed some of the ability to, you know, get 10, 15 yards when, when it comes to it. And I think his reads progressed a lot better after the Wyoming game, um, his RPO stuff there. But yeah, man, Matt McKay throwing the ball. I was, I texted you after this game. We talked about it. It was like, I asked, I think I asked you specifically, was that Matt McKay in that game any different, any better than Tucker Rovick in that Wyoming game? Because I wasn't convinced that it was just the media upgrade that that people might have thought it was. This game, I think you could see the flashing there. Some of those deep balls in the Wyoming game that maybe were underthrown a little bit or that McCutcheon or Jane Smith had to go up and fight for, they were on the money, dropped right in the bread basket in this game. It was a much better performance from McKay, and I'm super optimistic. I think he's leading the league in QB rating or whatever it's called, efficiency in the college. I think he's like eighth in the country or something. Super impressed with him. Five touchdowns on the year, zero inter- zero interceptions. Loving what I'm seeing. How about you? Yeah, I think his accuracy is really good. He had touchdown passes of 45 yards to Lance McCutcheon and two of them to Willie P for uh, 31 yards and 23 yards. And so, like you said, he's just dropping these deep balls right in, in the bread basket. Uh, Afonso called him cool and collected. I think his decision-making uh, improved from the Wyoming game. I guess my only critique on him is when I'm watching him, uh, I think he's targeting Lance McCutcheon too much. I mean, when I was looking at team stats, Lance McCutcheon's blowing everybody else out of the water. He has 12 catches. Everybody else is like two and three. And so uh, a couple times when I'm just uh, dropping back, maybe, maybe he's seen something. Obviously, we are just fans, and so our eye is not trained to this. But uh, you often look to see if the quarterback is seeing the field, and um, McKay was just seeing Lance. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's a trend that, uh, that uh, um, you know, opponents are going to pick up on. Uh, the old regime used to say, we need to scout ourselves. And they would typically do that periodically or, you know, on the the bye week. But and that's something I wonder if they will see in the film that, hey, McKay is just, you know, has some tendencies to go over there because I think we're also missing some big-time plays from some other receivers as well. Not to take anything away from Lance, though. Yeah, I could see that. I think Lance is clearly his favorite receiver. But get this stat. I was just I was just thinking of that while you were talking there. I, I tallied it up. We completed a pass to eight different players against Drake. When's the last time that happened? That's a good point. Eight good point. Eight players caught a ball. We had Willie P, Cam Gardner, Coy Steele, Jane Smith, Elijah Elliott, Charles Brown, and RJ Fitzgerald. Oh, RJ Fitzgerald. Um, all catch a ball in this game. So that was super impressive. So yeah, I mean, seven of them went to McCutcheon out of the 21 total receptions, but he's just giving the ball around. He's finding the guys. Um, that's, that's crazy. We're also rotating a lot of guys in. I think Lance is pretty much the only guy who's on the field the whole time. Maybe Willie P is too, but it seems that other spots been rotating a lot. So I think that could be part of the reason that Lance is getting a lot more balls because he's placed every single snap. All right. So we were, we're both imp- impressed with Matt McKay uh, two games in. I mean, we're talking two games in, right? <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to see what happens later on the season. I was also, if we're talking about the quarterbacks, I was super happy for Tucker Rovig getting into the fourth quarter and um, dropping a dime to what Cam Gardner. What a dime that was. Jeez. Yeah. And Cam Gardner, that was like... Uh, that reminded me right of Kevin Cassis, the that, over the shoulder catch. Was. Like that was, <laughs> was a vintage Kevin Cassis catch right there. So I was so happy for Tucker Rovig. And like you said, Tucker just came sweeping by. We were standing close by the celebration and he was just, he was all smiles. I I love, I love Tucker Rovig, man. Um, I always root for that guy. So the third quarter ended up with just one touchdown from the Cats. Fourth quarter, I mean, that's when things kind of started to really 
that one, the, the Isaiah Afonso touchdown, I guess that was a fumble to Ryan Davis. <laughs> that was right in front of us. Zero. Uh, we were like right <laughs> there. Touchdown. That was definitely Zero like the, all right, we got this game here. And then the, yeah, the next, the next touchdown was a Tucker Rovig one, but I thought the defense really clamped down in that second half. I think some of the Drake stats you were reading off probably occurred. We pulled the starters probably after that camp. No, we pulled the starters before or after the Cam Gardner touchdown on defense. I don't remember. We're right around the before or after. So right around seven minute mark. And Drake was able to move the ball a little bit on our second string defense. But man, we clamped down. I thought the second half was, you know, you finish. That's what you want to talk about finishing the game. We scored the only three touchdowns of the second half. And that's, that's what you want to see um, to make up for kind of the last second touchdown in the first half to Drake. So Overall, super impressed with the second half and uh, just overall a really impressive, dominating, physically dominating game by the Bobcats that was honestly never in question, really. The Bobcats did what they needed to do. They rose to the occasion. I'm excited, man. The Cats, man, it was such a good day. Between the basketball, the football, all of it. Seeing seeing the stadium, seeing the the Bobcat Athletic Center, I'm stoked. Oh for that. yeah, we didn't that even talk about big, that. That thing's bigger than uh, I thought it would be. I'm excited to see the finishing touches. It needs the Bobcat branding on the outside. They need a big Bobcat head or put up the logo Montana State. Man, what a cool night! Seeing the sea of twenty thousand in yellow. Hmm, man, how lucky! How lucky were we? Right. So, what a great night. I didn't ask you this. I want to ask you this real quick. What do you think of the team run out? Because now there's not the Bobcat head in the corner anymore. They came straight out of the middle of the athletic center. And there was the first 20 feet of it or so, which is this big concrete slab. And they all just kind of huddled up there. And then the rodeo team came out from like the side where the Bobcat head would have used to have been. And then they followed in the rodeo team. Which is, what do you think of that? I miss the Bobcat head. I really do. I, I love the rodeo part. No doubt, but uh, the Bobcat head was something, I don't know, maybe it's just change. Change is hard for me sometimes, but uh, I just, I don't know, something about it. I just wish that I could uh, see them piling out of that Bobcat head rather than just sitting there huddled for it. Uh, Lance McCungeon talked about it post-game. He said, oh, it's cool because we got to see, you know, a different perspective, but uh I don't think it would take much to throw up that bobcat head right there. What about you, Thorny? I'd probably have to get a bigger one because I think the the width of it's bigger. But I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool just seeing the team huddled there. It was, it was definitely different instead of just kind of seeing a few players through the tunnel, like and everyone else in the in the dark behind there. You just saw the whole team just kind of waiting there. They're looking around, seeing everything. So it was, it was cool. It was fine. I loved the uh, everything be, uh, else besides that. The, the rodeo, the way they ran out, like the the band, all that stuff, the flamethrowing thingies, that was really cool. But yeah, overall, I don't know. Cathead wouldn't wouldn't mind having it back, I guess. Well, you know, I think that eventually that's going to be, hopefully, yeah, bleachers over there or grandstands, and so they'll have to have some sort of tunnel. But anyways, uh, all right, Ryan, I think you know I'm looking at the clock. We're about uh, getting close to. An hour here, so I think we should uh, move on to the Golden Cooley questions. Is there anything you want to wrap up about the game before we move on to the Golden Cooley questions? I think we hit on the big things: the offensive line concern, Matt McKay's performance. Those are kind of the main things I wanted to talk about. The running game concerns, if any. I think we kind of hit on everything, so I think we can move on here. Uh, are we going to preview San Diego after the Cooley question? That's right. Well, Thorny, before we get into the Golden Cooley questions, I had totally forgot about our next game. We are going to be playing San Diego, the Toreros. Thorny, before we get into anything about San Diego, do you know the difference between a Torero and a Matador? I didn't even know what a Torero was, um, so no. I didn't even know it was in the same category as a, as a Matador. <laughs> well, both have to do with bullfighting. A Matador is... His goal is to kill the bull. A Torero just fights it. Oh, okay. So he doesn't do the the sword to the skull thing <laughs> that the Matador does. However you want to say it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the special killing sword. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So give us some information on uh, San Diego. So they have played pretty poorly. 
to the start of the season. We'll just leave it at that. They are, they've scored 24 total points in two games and they've given up, let's see, let's do some math here, 81 points um, running through the Big Sky Conference, the California school so far, Cal Poly beat them 28 to 17. And if anyone saw Cal Poly play in the spring, probably one of the worst Big Sky teams I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, they ended up losing 63 to 10 to Fresno in week two. And then UC Davis, who appears to be one of the powers in the conference this year to start off with, beat them 53 to seven, no problem dispatching of them. And both those games were at home. This will be their first road game coming up to Bozeman. That's a tough start for San Diego. They're going to go 0-3 most likely. But uh, they got some players, so let's uh, mention some players real quick. I did some research here. Um, the leading tackler, Kama Kamaka. I have no idea how to say that. <laughs> Kama Kamaka, I don't know. 6'1", 210 senior linebacker. What are you laughing at? You you got a better way to pronounce that? That just reminds me of the Bing, Bing, uh, Bing Crosby song. Tell, uh, um... <laughs> Uh, Christmas song, uh, Melikilikimaka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too far off, I suppose. Okay, sorry. Brady's got 18 tackles on the year, um, a pass breakup and a half a tackle for loss. He was a first-team All-Patriot League selection. In fact, they had four first-team All-League selections. Um, Kamaka, Michael Hawkins, the cornerback, who was their second-leading tackler, and then they got another linebacker, Kyle Bilchik, and then... The other cornerback is Hunter Nichols. So they got two linebackers and two cornerbacks, but nobody on the defensive line, which probably spells trouble for why they're giving up so many points. If you don't count any talent on the interior, you're going to have some problems. And your second leading tackler is a cornerback. I think that's kind of not the same as having Tayo Kata be this, put the leading tackler. Imagine that he's making so many tackles because he has to. <laughs> um. But their defense, sorry, one positive for them, they're holding teams to 89 yards per game on the ground, just four yards per carry. So their defense, their, their rushing defense has been a strength. And the problem is they're giving up 353 yards to the air per game and six total touchdowns. And they've only had two sacks all year. So their pass defense, the pass coverage has been pretty poor, which I think lends pretty well to Matt McKay. Before I move on, anything else? You got anything else you want to say here? Or is this just going to be me talking about San Diego? you did a good job. I think that San Diego has been traditionally a really good school. I think they won the Pioneer League in 2019. And so I'm kind of perplexed a little bit why they are struggling so much. But yeah, they're not doing good. They have this little Big Sky run. Now we are ending their Big Sky run. Um, three games in the Big Sky. So happy they're coming to Bozeman. Uh, but I don't see good things going for them. In Bozeman, Montana, for no, sure. They scored three touchdowns. Um, they've ran the ball 77 times in two games. That seems pretty pretty high. <laughs> but they're getting just three-point yards per carry on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got, they got, they got again, they got some first-team all-conference guys. They got a uh, wide receiver, but their the stud tight end got injured in camp. And then they're, they have an offensive lineman who's their first-team all-conference guy, DJ Wright. But the leading wide receiver is their backup tight end who has 10 catches for 97 yards. It's pretty interesting to have a a, uh, a tight end, a backup tight end, leading the team in receptions and yards. Probably not a great thing to have going either. Kind of just tells you their struggles across the board. So I think they're going to try and run the ball early and often. I think they're going to try and stop the run. So honestly, they probably sound kind of similar, similarly built to Drake, except they're... I don't think they're probably as good a team as Drake. And like you're saying, it's pretty interesting. They are a, historically a very good program. I don't know if they got some injuries going on or what. It's a little bit harder to find information. And this was a pretty quick cursory look at them. But I think the Cats really aren't going to have too much of a problem. They might have a struggle running the ball like we did against Drake, but I don't think the Cats are going to have any problem throwing the ball against uh, San Diego. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, they are in the Pioneer League. Drake is in the Pioneer League. And so that kind of gives you a little bit maybe a kind of a comp there of talent-wise. Brent Vegan said in his press conference today, our consistency has to be our mark. He mentioned that after talking about uh, Jackson, or not Jackson State, uh, Florida State and Notre Dame had played such a, a great game 
uh, two weeks ago. And then, then both of them really struggled. Obviously, Florida State lost. Uh, Notre Dame struggled against Toledo. We talked about Montana State's consistency. We have to come out with the same energy. We have to come out with the same want to. We can't have this letdown. To me, that was like, that was um, the Kramer era, right? We would win high, just follow. Ash, we kind of were just completely in the middle. We would win the games we were supposed to, and then, um, you know, we would lose the games we were supposed to. Choate, Choate was a little bit more like Kramer to me. Like, we would get up for the games, and sometimes we just have, like, these head scratchers where we would have to, like, claw back late in the game. I don't know. I don't know about Vegan, man. I think he's a little bit more detail-oriented. I like what I hear from him, Ryan, when he talks, because he's he has the focus of a championship coach. And I'm saying this because I'm listening to him, and I'm like, man, he's saying stuff that are like, yeah, that's right. We we have to pay attention to that. I think he's a little bit more detail-oriented than the last regime. And I think he has the, the, the sight of the championship. He knows what it takes. So, um... He might not be as exciting when he speaks and we talk about that all the time, but man, I, I like what he says. Our consistency has to be our mark. So if that's being stressed, Montana State is probably going to have a good game on Saturday. And you and I don't like to make predictions, but what we saw and what we're seeing from San Diego, I think is all boating in Montana State's favor. Who said it? Somewhere on the message board, I don't know where it was said, but somebody said just the warm-ups under Brent Vegan, like the pregame warm-ups are like the most detailed that they've ever seen. Who was that? Do you mm-hmm. remember? It's so a that, new poster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that just lends itself because like clearly uh, focus is a good word. I hadn't really thought about that. He is singularly focused on the goal there. And that is a really good thing to have. And uh, I think I think he's going to have this team ready to go. The discipline is showing. I don't think he's going to have any kind of letdown games. I don't think he'll let the players have those kind of letdown games. I just think uh, he's got these guys focused, keyed in too much to let that happen. So I think this is going to be a pretty easy game. You never know, but I think this is a game that the Bobcats can uh, win handily. And in fact, my bold prediction is no touchdowns for San Diego. What? Oh, man. Thorny, I was about just to chastise you about saying, like, we're going to win handily. I never like to say anything like that. I think it's like bad juju. And then you just go and say, no touchdowns for San Diego. Woo. Cold. Man. We've only given yeah, up that, like three all year so far. Oof. Jeez. That, yeah. That is the definition of bold right there. Uh, my bold prediction for this game is Jaden Smith is going to catch, catch, catch a touchdown. And we got to end this episode. Uh, I'm starting to fumble. So those are our bold predictions. Man, Thorny, you just knocked me off my block right there, man. You, yeah, <laughs> I have to reset. <laughs> oh my god, what did I do? That's so crazy. You're predicting. I mean, a it's shutout, bold prediction, man. but a so? shutout. No, well, I guess you I said no say, touchdowns. Uh, it could be three or, field yeah, goals or not extra points, but field goals. Yeah, whatever. All right. <laughs> it could be ten field goals. All right, hey. uh, um, can I move past past San Diego? Can we talk about Golden Coolies now? Can yeah, the last thing episode? I want to mention about San Diego, kind of interesting little stat here. Uh, if anyone remembers, uh, Choate signed a guy named Naquan Parker, a wide receiver from American Community College, um, in 2019. He entered the entered the portal in January, and he transferred to San Diego. So he is on the roster there. Um, one of the one of several Bobcat transfers who were going to play against this year. I think he doesn't have very many stats. I think he, and then the other interesting thing about Naquan Parker real quick here is I think he played at the same community college that UC Davis stud quarterback Hunter Rodriguez played at. <laughs> Just kind of some interesting stats. Um, I was, when I was doing some research today, but that's it. That's all my Terrero chatter. Terreros. Terrero. It's a fun right, word to say. I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. Yeah, it is fun to say. All right, yeah, we had only one Golden Cooley question. We've been nailing Golden Cooley questions. We've had so many. We only had one from our friend Joe Bobcat, who which we did not get to connect. Joe, I know I, I sent you a message. I carried your Golden Cooley in my front pocket of my shirt <laughs> all day long. I was excited to see you. We never made it happen. But yeah, 
you were hanging out with your grandkids. And so I think that's really cool. All right, Joe, since it's a really good question, it's the only one we got. It says in 2019, we had six different players that rushed for 100 plus yards in a game. How many different players will rush for 100 plus yards in a game this year? Well, you've had time to think about this, so you start. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to say three. So far, I'm, I'm not seeing the rotation that I was hoping to see. I, I, I wanted to see some Hosey. I wanted to see some Lane Sumner. Although Lane was hurt, right? So yeah, apparently he was in the street close, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I didn't see any Hosey. Um, I'm hoping he's working hard. I hope he's not discouraged because uh, I'm a huge fan of yours, um, Demaryius. So I'm gonna say three. So I'm I'm gonna go with Hosey. I'm gonna go with uh, Elijah Elliott and Afonso. I think we also have a, too much of a passing attack now that we're not gonna see as the we're not gonna lean on the run as much. It's one of the weird things that everyone complained about so much in the offensive Cho era, but it's something you kind of got used to and came to love is the fact that we got so many guys the ball running back. It doesn't, I don't know if Vigan's going to play that way, and maybe that's not a bad thing. That's that's our expectations, but why? Why is that our expectation? Just because that's what Choate did? I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad, but so far it's basically been the Afonso show with, a, with some Elliott sprinkled in there. I think your answer is correct. I was going to say just two. I was thinking maybe just Elliot and Afonso, but I'll I'll go with three. I think there'll be a third guy who gets in there at some point and, and has a game or maybe there's an injury or something like that. So maybe three total guys will get 100 yards. 100 All games. right. Joe, good what question. do you think? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I really appreciate the thought that you put into these questions, Joe. And with that, yeah, just hit us up, Joe. I honestly, I sent your golden coolie out to you today, Joe. It will be arriving in the mail, probably, honestly, when this probably drops. So right. you know, expect it soon, my friend. All right, we both just like put our hands up behind our head at the exact same time. Clearly, the signal that we're done with this is pretty funny. Um, all right, well, thanks everyone for listening. It was fun meeting us, a lot of people at the at the gold rush game. Thanks to anyone who came up and chatted with us. That was a lot of fun. You can find us on Twitter, our cat cast. You can find us on Bobcat nation. We have a couple threads going there, a golden coolie thread and just the R and R cat cast thread. You can email us, email us at our at gmail.com. Thanks once again to Jeremiah Johnson, our sponsor. And let's get out of here with the go cats. Go cats. Go cats. Go cats.